a basket of knowledge to nurture and nourish the haora, the well-being of the community and voluntary sector. It is a collection of taonga treasures, including wānanga, podcasts and videos that will support you, your whānau and your community. Today we had joining us um, was Eden Skipper. I just have to say that that was almost, that was actually, it wasn't almost, it was quite a wairua experience for me personally. Um, I said after he left, I wish I had have, we had have had the space and the time to delve a little bit more because it really felt like there was a whakapapa connection if at the very least that we were sitting in a room that was full of our tupuna, because I don't know if you felt it, but it didn't feel like there was only four of us sitting in the studio. It definitely felt like the room was full. And at one point we both got emotional. Um, and, yeah, it was it was a really moving corridor, yeah. I think it was great to hear how Eden had spent time to identify where where is he grounded? Mm. Like where mm. is his um, the things that feed him? So if he's tired or sick or um, looking for something, he just has this. And he bought a fantastic map that he had he mapped did. it out, so he could essentially identify this is where I go, or this is what I do, or this is what action I take for mm. when I'm feeling like that. I can go here, and mm. I really love that he that he did that. That's great. Yeah, it's a really special episode. They're all special. Don't choose favourites. No, they're all special, but that was incredibly special. So have a listen. Kelda. Kawai, kawaiya, ko inskaba tukawangwa no waidewa aho. So whilst I reside in Tifanganuiatada in Wellington, I have Whakapapa down south to Horumako Banks Peninsula with over six hundred years of, of heritage there and, and various other places through uh, the wonderful night. Naitahu migration and, and intermarriages and so forth. Um, but here I am now. It's wonderful to be here and, and, and chatting with the team about this co-papa and really excited for it. Kia Awesome. And can you tell us uh, a little bit about the whom you work for and the role that you have there, please? Awesome. Well, I'm one of those people who um, – Happen to be doing a, a number of things, whether it's good or bad for my well-being at times. <laughs> the many, the many community hats, as we like to say. Mm, yeah. Uh, my professional work per se is at Ministry of Primary Industries and Biosecurity New Zealand. So I'm a specialist advisor of Maori capability, uh, which is at times a bit of jack of all trades, but um, it's an opportunity to look at how we operate as Biosecurity New Zealand and being a better treaty partner. Um, the way I approach that is how do I create a power shift and how do I create a culture shift towards honouring te tiri te waitangi and that's my job description for, for all intensive purposes. Um, some other work which I also do as well which um, 
really inspires me and gives me energy and I'm fortunate to be contributing into these spaces is some work with Te Kahui Kaupapa Education New Zealand looking at participation of Māori and these wonderful international scholarships abroad called the Prime Minister Scholarship for Latin America and the Prime Minister Scholarship for Asia. Um, if you haven't heard of it, check it out, we plug there. Uh, community research as well, so how we uh, minor enhance and uplift community knowledge into other spaces towards how we make decisions and have um, make decisions and have uh, better communities as well through the knowledge that um, wonderful people have there. Um, Generation Zero is another co-papa organisation I'm involved with. That's a co- um, I'm the co-chair of that, and they have a key role in challenging regional councils, national government towards being accountable towards um, their climate response. And one of the key things that we focus on is climate justice. So how are we acknowledging the past inequities, taking them into consideration towards the change we need now for the climate futures we, we need for the 1.5 degrees um, as well. So yeah, that that's a bit of a, a wee bit of a suite of things that I'm doing in uh, where I can, I'll connect back home as well with Waidu and Manai, and I'm doing a few things by distance there as well. But that's, that's a bit about me. Wow. A few hats then. Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when he started off responding, yeah. I was like, oh, that's just one. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, and so what kind of ho'ora challenges have you seen like in your professional career then? There's been a, a, a number. Um, one thing which... Um, I also didn't mention is when I was a casual worker in um, respite care. So for that's people that essentially get sanctioned under the Mental Health Act, which is a quite a um, pressing and emergency space for people when they have been sanctioned. Um, where I was working in respite care is when they then go into an intermediary to um, essentially transition back to where they're from, their community, their fuddy, wherever it was. Um, some of the challenges that I seen there was um, there was no bias with mental health mm, and there was no yeah. bias with the impact to people's whole water. Mm-hmm. I believe the first kind of three weeks there was people was, you know, young as 16 to as old as about 75. Um, there was a wide variety of different careers that people were from, ethnicities, uh, privilege or wealth background. It was um, quite enlightening. Um, but it does make sense. There is no bias with mental health because it's the personal experience that people have and the personal impacts that people have to their whole world and how that's impacted. Um, so that was one which was uh, enlightening to me. In terms of my own personal career, especially as uh, in two spaces with the climate movement and the not-for-profit space, um, I think it is really challenging for some people when it can be a, a blessing and a curse when you work in a space that you're really passionate about, which means that it's aligned to your purpose, but at times they're quite difficult spaces to be in. And when I think about the climate space and um, climate activism and various other things, it's um, when inaction is made, it feels very personal, I think, to some people. And um, it is something that's hard to somewhat distance yourself or keep yourself safe from the inaction and climate change and the personal impact that's having to you based on the lack of inaction to protection of the environment and the reduction of emissions and various other things. So that's one of the challenges that I have seen is when there are career or work challenges that they are very much personal at times as well. And um, I've seen burnout and other things. And that's something that we've had to address as an organisation. Um, as in, For instance, um, in my professional work with 
Ministry of Primary Industries um, and working as kind of a Māori advisor, one of the things that came up quite clearly is um, people starting their journey whilst in the Crown in terms of understanding their whakapapa, where they are from and what's important to them. Um, I had a number of conversations that people came to me based on my role as kind of developing Māori capability and one of them, for instance, I went into a room similar to this, very quiet, um, no one hearing from the outside, and they just shared all this trauma that they had from knowing that they were Māori, but it was something dating back to World War Two, and there was something that mm. shouldn't have happened between a couple people. Um, and then that part of them being lost, um, and then all this kind of trauma that followed through, and um, they shared about this, yeah, this experience of, I don't know who I am, and that's what they were feeling, and they're almost in tears saying, I know I'm this, but that feels lost to me and I can't get that connection back. Mm. Um, that's certainly not in the job description. That's a really good example of where the personal meets professional and that's something that is important. Mm. I wanted to ask you, uh, being of Māori Whakapapa and working in the environmental space, <laughs> it must be challenging. I'm making an assumption so you can totally, you know, uh, denounce my assumption because of our atua, because of our interlinking and the fact that we are the environment and the environment is us, how that plays out for you, you know, in, in your mahi, because I'm thinking uh, as as an Indigenous person, you, the, the impact or the, the expectation, I suppose, of following in the footsteps of your tūpuna, <laughs> the additional pressure that you would, I don't know, I'm making some assumptions here, but do you have that? And and how does that fit into your mahi? Because I'm thinking, oh man, I'd be a bit like, because you've got that extra layer, I'm making an assumption. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. No, no you're absolutely right. Um, and that was, um, there's been another, a number of cases where I've heard people discuss that and it's really difficult for organizations to understand that or, mm. or tawiri mm-hmm. um and that's real mm. that's not mm-hmm. something that's oh it doesn't matter it's not part of our work well, it's like actually yes it is because when we walk to that door we're not going to leave our maori tanga behind okay. that's a fact and then when you put us into these spaces i we can be some of the best prepared people to speak into them, say with the RMA Act or if, there's a number of other things uh, and Ministry of Primary Industries as well. They've got similar other co-papa. Um, so to one point, it's we are some of the best prepared because we do have that really strong connection mm. and understanding of why this is important, why this must be changed and being able to articulate that. I think the challenge is when you go into those spaces, it's how do you share that in a way that is understood with a crown institution that in many cases has failed to understand for more than 180 years the importance of this relationship and the importance of the relationship that Māori have with the environment just just as you articulated. Um, Your question to me around how do I deal with that, I've got a responsibility. Yeah. Just like many of us, we have a responsibility. And, and when I step into that space, it's yes, there's definitely times where it does personally impact me, but mm. it's 
I've got a responsibility. I've got responsibility to people. I've got responsibility to the co-pup. I've got responsibility to whānau back home. And it's as simple as that. Um, when you start going outside of that, then I think that can distract from your role to creating a change and supporting those who need it. Mm. Um, back home, for example, in Wairua and Banks Peninsula, there, there is real impacts of whether we will have tuna in, say, 50 years. Um, that's something that's embedded through us, for example, with, with Waiata. For me, I was privileged enough to grow up out there and live and breathe that each each year and season. So, yeah, just acknowledging um, what you did mention around that because it is really important and it is real and it's something that uh, we all have to take responsibility for, but it shouldn't just be Māori. Yeah, aye. Aye. It's, it's, I just came off a a session and it was interesting because and we actually had a discussion just at lunchtime around, um, you know, this kind of rush to, oh, actually, it's interesting because there's a bit of a, a rush to actually fix the environment. And then also on the other side of that is a real neglect. And actually this fear of sometimes returning to indigenous ways of being, yet we looked after the whenua, we looked after our, we looked after our moana, we were incredibly respectful. And in the last 200 years or so, there's gores all over the place, rivers are polluted, streams have been re-diverted, tamea, 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 so on and so on and so on and so on. So it's like, what would it look like if it came back into the hands of those that had it initially? And what if they were placed if they led the movement in terms of the care. Absolutely. There's so many insights that we can learn from our whakapapa as Māori, from the mātauranga that's been built up over hundreds of years from our you know, voyages and navigation here, but also from across the Pacific around you know, the role of kaitiakitanga that gets mentioned a lot. One thing I'd like to add there and would be we don't look after the environment. The environment looks after us. Papa Tuanuku looks after us. And that's something um, which is important. The next thing I'd like to add to that is um, the role of rights and responsibilities. And this was enlightened to me by someone called Tamori Kingi from Te Arawa, And he said the difference between Te Ao Māori and a lot of Western knowledge is rights and responsibilities. We have a lot of responsibilities. We have responsibilities to leave um, our whenua, our whanau, and various other things in a better place than what was gifted to us, and we're only borrowing it for the generation after us. Um, <clears throat> what also I think was really clear, clear around that the environment looks after us, and I'll give quite a real... Uh, metaphor of this and it may be a wee bit intense so just disclaimer there for example how I mentioned around Papa Tuanuku looks after us um, it's similar when you're a child right your mother looks after you your, raises you cares for you nurtures you so that you can be well and thriving um, in one view and I would just say this is one view um, we don't strike our mothers we do not hurt them. Mm. What we are doing to the environment is striking and hurting 
something that is caring for us and nurturing for us. And I want you to think about that with the relationship that we have with the environment at the moment. Mm. Um, there's lots of information out there that clearly clearly states those things. So um, that's a, a metaphor which I want you to hold and to think about in terms of how you be a good uh, kaitiaki or someone who's being gifted what you have and how you're going to pass it on to the next generation. Yeah, it's really powerful. And I think that, I mean, what we've been talking about today was about haora and uh, which feeds into that, which is if if everything was better, if, if, if everyone's individual haora and therefore the environment's haora as well, then that's caring for us, then actually the community sector would have less work to do, right? Because mm. if people were actually stronger, you know, um, wealthier in their haora and, and better in better health, whether that's all the different healths, not just physical health, but then there would be less work for the community sector to be doing because people would naturally be connected and cared for in the way that nature is actually designed, right, to do that. But um, but instead a whole lot of the mahi that we do in the community sector is picking up people that are not being cared for in their environment at all or, are, or are, are unable to access the care that's available. And so it's a kind of, you know, we've come today to a really deep place, I think, which is great because... It's the interconnectedness of everything, which is about where the haora sits. It doesn't sit. We, we've been talking today about often how haora is seen as an extra. So mm. it sits on the outside of things. So it's like here we are just doing the mahi. And then outside there, over there, if we've got a bit of time, we start thinking about well-being. <laughs> we start talking about it or resourcing it or anything like that. But ultimately, you can't separate it out because it's a foundation, right, of of how we're actually living here. Yeah. So I was just, as you were talking and you were saying that, I could feel the, the riri and the, the wairua <laughs> within your kōrero and within the pātai that you, that you put to us. Um, in all this work and all this, and it feels like it's coming from your heart very, very much, how do you look after you? How do you nurture you? One of the first things is be kind to yourself, and that's a message I'd like to share with other people. Um, it's wonderful having high expectations, and I have very high expectations of myself, but it's also uh, being kind to yourself, and as someone once told me, take your work seriously, but don't take yourself too serious. Mm. Um, <laughs> nice. Which, I, yeah, I, I think is really fitting. Something recently, and I will give a, a mention to those employers that offer employment assistance program or EAP, more known. Something recently, which is what I've done, and I've been getting a bit more creative in my expression and understanding of um, wellness per se. And I've got this picture here, which um, you won't be able to see, but for the for the hosts with me to capture it. And apologies while we love diagrams and pictures. Yeah, the paper awesome. unfolding. Um, and I had these two sessions with the psychologist thinking, there's nothing emergency about this. I, I'm not going to be put anywhere. It's just I want to understand some of my purpose and where I'm going and how I know that what I'm doing has impact, but also that it gives me energy and it puts me in the space where um, I want to be in. 
So we ended up having a, a number of different corridor on that. And for me, we ended up coming to this analogy where she said, so if you are going for a hikoi, you are going for a walk, um, you want to understand what's beneath you and what's holding you up as a person. So if it's me um, living life, she asks the question, what's holding you up? What's the, what's the capture? What's the whenua representing in this instance? I said, not quite, because I, I do know what's holding me up. Um, but I don't know what holds me up when I'm weak, mm. when I'm tired. And I also don't know where I'm going. I'm one of those people that's very analytical. Um, I like to think about things ahead of time and being able to navigate to, you know, the nearest of margins to, to where I'm going to align myself. But in this case, I don't really know what I want. And that led to a couple scenarios. So I thought about um, the story of Naitahu and the migration. So I thought about my own whakapapa and sought um, understanding and insights from that. And it was Naitahu were a migration people. And this analogy which I came up with and attempting to draw here was where are the different places and spaces that I get energy from but also help guide me in life? And then as you'll see in this picture here, I've started to illustrate that. So I've drawn home um, in a number of different key uh, places, but also what are the trails that I need to take in path, um, trails and paths, I don't know. And then what do I need in my kete that's going to help me um, going forward? Um, and this is something that I've, I've been exploring and I've also acknowledged some of my tupuna as well in the moana and, and various other things of, you know, what keeps me grounded as an individual and mm. this analogy which I'm trying to express of what do I need in my kete at all times um, that's going to hold me up when I'm weak but also where do I need to go to get different energies and there was three things which I came up in terms of the different places that I need to go and this aligns with my workers. Um, you know, strengthening the role of, of Māori rights or the position of Tetiriti or Waitangi and Aotearoa. Um, the importance of being in spaces and supporting uh, or reducing the impact of inequities to people. Um, and then the third thing was doing my bit to contribute and be a responsible person to look after the environment. And there are three things that are that are really important for me in my career. And at different times of my life, I know that those things will be grounding for me. Um, it's an ongoing work but yeah. that's an analogy which I like to think mm. about when I am tired when I've got all these other jobs when I am sending emails uh, at near midnight after starting the day at 6am um, or when I'm just going out for a lovely run um, for a long time and it's raining or something like that mm. so what holds me up when I'm weak and that's a interesting theme coming up today isn't it Tuiana because mm. we were talking uh, before about who holds you yes who holds you? Uh, it's great when you can hold yourself and, and you've got that grounding and you're connected in. But when you're weak, tired, unwell, whatever it might be, like who holds you and, and, and keeps you safe? And that's essentially what you're talking about is identifying that so you have it really clearly in your mind about at those times this is where I go. Because recently I went home quite exhausted I went home, so I'm from Tauranga, Moana, Naitirangi, Natipurkinga, Tiaroa. And I went home and I go to my aunt's place and it sits on sits on a bit of a hill and you can see one of our marae and it looks out over Rangatawa um, and in the distance and it's at the bottom of 
Kopu Kairo, one of our maunga, and you can see out to Moa, which is another of our maunga, and over to Mangatawa, which is another. And uh, she made a really interesting comment to me because whenever I go home, I sleep for nine hours every night and I have an afternoon moya as well. <laughs> and I can go and sit with my tūpuna in the urupa and it just really grounds me. But I always have this need to go to the water, you know, to go to, because I grew up in Arataki at the Mount. But what she observed with me, and because I was sitting out on her, you know, on the steps on the back, on the front porch or back porch, and these piwakawaka were flying underneath the grapefruit tree with our, which our great-great-great-grandparents had buried, uh, sorry, had grown. And I love the grapefruit off that tree. But she said, maybe you're seeking your Māori. She said, you seem to want to seek your Māori from Mount Maunganui, but your Māori is actually here. This is where you need to seek your Māori from. This is where you need to refill. And I just... <laughs> a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, revelation. So as you were talking and as I'm looking at your diagram, I'd say there'd be some similar, yeah, some similar things. But thank you because you've reminded me of what I need in my kite. Yeah, what we need in our kite. It's yeah. a process as well, right? And what you're talking about too is being intentional. So I think the idea of being intentional to identify what fills you and often you don't think about that until you are unwell until mm. your whole order is not that good and mm. then you and then you feel a bit kind of lost right you're sort of moving around and there's not and often you if you haven't identified okay this is where I need to go or what I need to do or who I need to speak with then sometimes that is not the time to identify that right mm. Mm. I mean the best time to prepare for a crisis is before it happens right yeah um, I'm not meaning that um, especially for those that have had mental health struggles in the past I think it is always best to do that when you are feeling well and surrounded by strong people around you as well um but yeah I think and, and thank you for sharing that was really beautiful um just and that's part of that self-care which is what I started out with right in terms of um, being kind to yourself and this is something um, in a sense, even though I'm not too kind to myself at times, have those expectations that we all have on ourselves, um, this was an opportunity in time that I did for myself to be kind to myself. Kapai. Mm. It's, you know, and I think it's actually honouring our tūpuna as well by being kind to ourselves. Eh? Because they were so incredibly wise. <laughs> I mean, I... I'm not sure how you feel, but every day I feel blessed that I'm part of this indigenous race of which there are very few. But man, to we hold ourselves in this amazing light of our tupuna. And by doing that, we are honoring ourselves and honoring them and honoring our haora. But we also have this expectation of do, 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 be, be, be. Because we're honouring them, you know, that pressure. Do you feel that? Do you feel that from time to time? For me, uh, yeah. Mm. From my poor specifically is, is a good example. I have a very high expectation of myself because of him. Um, but also just acknowledge a colleague who, who mentioned something to me around 
and his name is Kapi Pater, absolute wonderful person um, I have the privilege of working with. And he, he mentioned to me, uh, Tupuna didn't sign Te Tiriti or Waitangi and didn't come here to work 40, 60 hour weeks. Mm. Um, and just acknowledging your point, and just so what did they want us to have? Um, and how do we live that? That is a great part, I. Yeah, how do we live that? Because we live in such a Western construct. And how does that feed our whole water? How does that feed our well-being? How does that respect our tūpuna? Gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I'm not analytical at all. <laughs> Shoot from the hip. <laughs> so I'm finding this really, yeah. Yeah, like it's what's happening is the space is being created as we're talking of just calm and quiet, you know. So, please, I can see you've got notes here. Please add to this corridor. Yeah. Just one of the things which, um, <clears throat> acknowledging something else which I just learned recently, or Fakatoki specifically, um, which I think is a good way to, um, Give some insight and some food for thought following this for Kairos. Ina kite mohio kwe ko wai kwe i anga mai kwe i here. Kite mohio kwe kite anga atu ki here. So if you know who you are and where you come from, then you know where you are going. And I think if you can really capture that, and excuse my language, you can be fucking formidable. And it was just the conversation that we we're having around what did I ancestors want of us or what did our tūpuna want of us and, and that whakatauki I think captures it really well in terms of knowing where we've come from and who we are um, towards how we navigate the future and the challenges that we have and how that may impact your hoa and various other things but mm. that's a whakatauki which I think captures that really well. Beautiful, it's beautiful and if you can look see the, this t-shirt and if you can read that whakatauki Ka ara ake te tahi, ka ara ake te kato, one lifts, we all lift. Ka pai. I think we're done. <laughs> Are we done? Well, it's been wonderful chatting yeah. with you, and I think at times it's great feeling the kind of modi or the different Aye. space that we're in as this. Aye went and we bounced ideas off each other. I think it was uh, it was an absolute pleasure to be here. I feel like we could have talked for all day, all day for a lot longer. <laughs> but I'm also where you need to get back to my <laughs> one of your many hats. But yeah. na aroha for uh, your wonderful kōrero today, and um, you know he kakunoa irangi. Cause I can never be lost I am a seed Born of greatness Descended from A line of chiefs So just to remind us That we may feel lost But we are seeds born of greatness each one of us. And just speaking to our Māori whānau who do feel lost, 
you will find yourself, there will be a calling to come back. I know what that's been like. It's been part of my journey. But we are descended from lines of chiefs. You've been listening to a Tato Tato podcast with Tuihana and Rochelle. Proudly brought to you by Huie Community Aotearoa, Volunteering New Zealand, Centre for Social Impact and Wu Wellbeing. Tēnā koutou, tēnā rātātou katoa.